0: Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw it and is Ryan Buckeye. 2020 Olympia Week, Josh Shaw and your boys busy this week traveling to Orlando, doing what you love to do, is go to these, I don't know if you want to call an expo this year, but uh, before we hop into today's subject, does the Olympia Week mean anything to you and your business at all?
1: No, no, not at all. I mean... I've always enjoyed it because as a fan of the industry, um, not necessarily the sports side, but just the, you know, the business side of right. the supplements and everything I've enjoyed it. Cause I just, one, you get to see a lot of your friends and you get to, um, also talk a little shop and you just get to see some new ideas every once in a while you get some new ideas out there. But this year, because that part of the uh, expo, I think is, is pretty much non-existent. I mean, there's a few brands I think that are doing it. Um, for me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I have no issue going there for like health reasons it's just that business purpose it makes more sense just to kind of stay um, in Austin but I am excited I think since I'm not going I'll probably pay attention a little bit more about what you're doing so maybe I'll actually know who wins the Olympia this year
0: I mean, I think we've, it's already a foregone conclusion. I think most people already are picking who won the Olympia, although I, I oh. hope it doesn't happen. So
1: is it, We already know who's going to win? Is, it, is this like for some wrestling. drama that I don't know about? Yeah,
0: it's professional wrestling. Since Jake Wood took oh. over, and they, they've already scripted out the entire <laughs> weekend, there's going to be chair shots on Friday. Saturday is going to be a comeback. It's going to be uh, entertainment at its best with I don't know how many fans. It's interesting you brought up, like, I mean, the boost. Like I've had six brands, I think, reach out to me now asking me to stop by their booth. I'm like, wait what? Uh, how? <laughs> like, how quickly could somebody get, I mean, I guess if you think about our space, there's a lot of brands based in Central yeah. and South Florida. Um, but there are brands that are, that are making the trip too. I know our, our buddy Mark Loebeliner is going down there and they're launching, um, you know, the 015 Nutrition brand with Brandon Curry. So there's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I went out and bought myself a nice Under Armour face mask today because I'm sick and tired of these cheap masks. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm interested more to hear...
1: If you like it because I've been looking at it as well because I feel like if this is going to be still a reality in the 2021, I need to get one that I like because I just – I can never find anything that I like because it seems like one's too big, too loose, too – I don't know. It's annoying.
0: I wore it for 10 minutes and it's a 1,000 times better than any other mask I wore. It's mm. it's comfortable. I mean we could just start a fashion show at this point and talk about it. So we Maybe on the next episode we should just talk about the the masks, the top five masks on the market, affiliate links, and you and I become rich. Simple as that. That's what we're
1: going to get. That's what we're going to give an award. One of the uh, golden shakies is going to be the best <laughs> mask this year. Well,
0: yeah, we got to do the golden shakies. There we, we do. Go. we yeah. have to do that. Yeah, I think we are excited about that. I forgot about that. Last year was super fun. Yeah, it was. All right. Let's talk about uh, today's topic. And I and and you yourself, we probably get a lot of questions or increase on self-manufacturing or manufacturing products for themselves versus outsourcing it to a co-packer versus an equity play with a co-packer. I mean, I would say, what, 95%, 97% of our space probably outsources their stuff to a, a co-man, maybe 99%, I don't know, probably 99%, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty uh, prevalent in the nutritional supplement space. Um and we could talk about why that is, but I, I think for sure if we're talking just that space, yes. Now if we expand this to food and beverage, then it's kind of a different thing. And I'm sure we can talk about maybe some of those differences as well.
0: What, I mean let's just I mean so people are aware, listening to this, let's let's rattle off some names of brands that we know are produced themselves. We obviously have talked about Nutribio a bunch here. Mark Laser does Nutribio once upon a time I think they co packed for people. They don't do that any longer um, so Nutribio is, is probably the one that most people maybe are aware of because they utilize their manufacturing facility as part of their marketing and what they tell the consumer, what they, what they showcase about the brand.
1: Yeah. Um, another one would be, uh, right next door, I guess or so are in the same state would be, you know, like universal and animal pack. Um, okay. they yep. do their own manufacturing, um, um Optimum Nutrition or just Glambias, most of their Glambia yeah. products are made um, and, and this is kind of where you're going to start to see that most of the names we're going to name are, are probably because they're a little bit bigger of a brand even like Herbalife and things like that they do most of their own manufacturing um, and a lot of times that comes down to that it makes sense from a profitability standpoint mm-hmm. um, and you can consider a ton of different I guess variables but a lot of times it starts to come out to, when you're that big, those little pieces of a of, of percentage that you're giving up to a co-man uh, start to matter a lot. Uh, and, you, and you start to think, hey, should I start to do this myself? Right. Uh, does it make sense for me to do that? And that's a, you know, a huge, I guess, endeavor to figure out because a lot of times in our space, if we're talking supplements again, um, a lot of them are marketing companies or right. sales companies. Um, and then when you have to learn how to Manufacture, not just like, you know, a couple products, but like manufacture at scale. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different world. You know what I mean? It's it's one thing to just kind of fire it up and make a couple hundred units or something, but if you're making tens or hundreds of thousands of units, you need to be really good at doing that, and that needs to be a core competency. If not, you're actually probably losing money in the in the long run.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, you're exactly right. I mean, if it's if it's not part of your competitive advantage and part of what you're, I mean, you got to be good at it too. Because if you're not good at it, right, like you said, um, just some other small. I, Animal, even I didn't know Animal was self-made. I guess that, that's uh, news to me. But um, sticking within that, like Muscle Sport is there. They produce yeah. their own stuff. Um, Pierce Lab. You, you didn't say Pierce, did you? Um, I didn't, Pierce but yeah, is, they do is, their is own. Like Formula Life. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch. of. Glaxon is produced by you know Michael Bischoff and his co-packing company. So um, a lot of you know companies that people listen to this may know of and, and probably some that you, you've never heard of before. But it is something that's done, and it's done – you know, often enough to talk about it, but there's a reason why most don't. And I think, let me just throw out the first one here. The biggest reason, um, outside of risk and all this, it's capital, capital investment. I think that is just, you know, you think about, we'll use Mark Laser as an example. We think about how much money is in that facility in terms of capital investment. And for Mark, when he decided to do this, you know, back in 96, when they were doing their own thing, it's like, I, I, he he tells a story like if it failed he was fucked he was done. I mean there's so much money in that. Nice thing about some of this manufacturing equipment is you can liquidate it, you know, during like a bankruptcy and stuff. But it's still like the amount of stress that one has to undertake when you put that type of debt. You're not paying complete cash for that stuff. You know that's that's a big risk that you better hope to God that you a become good at it um, and that you're successful. Otherwise that could kill a company.
1: Yeah, even on like a super small scale if you're. getting some type of um maybe manual encapsulator or just like some small v blenders or things like that i mean we're still talking you know potentially tens of thousands of dollars and that might not seem like that much money but that's on top of all the other things you're going to need from a startup perspective so you're already adding a lot of things in in our space when the you know the option is that there's so many contract manufacturers that you can literally probably start a brand for the same amount as just buying this equipment you have to make those trade off decisions in your head and go, I don't know, you know, does this make sense? And that goes a lot of times to probably the ethos or the person's like belief system sometimes Mm -hmm. as well, because they might really enjoy that part. They also might just be that they love to control the elements, you you know, they might just want like their OCD about everything. And the only way that they can put their stamp of approval, and maybe this goes into something like Mark Glazer, like where he's wants to make sure that every single element is to his liking. Then that works in his favor. It doesn't matter how much it costs because that is the only way he's going to be able to do it where you have to really accept that as a, a, as, a as a, thing. And, and I think that that is sometimes, you know, especially even like small food and beverage brands, they get started that way because they want to make sure that they manage every element. And that kind of goes into yourself and maybe why some of the reasons why you chose to do it with fit butters.
0: Uh, I did. Yeah, I just did because for me it was almost too expensive to go elsewhere at the time being because the, MOQs and things of that nature. I just didn't know how popular it was going to be so I invested in equipment myself and slowly but surely here we are. Um, You know, it's one thing to invest the dollar amount in the equipment and then it's another thing to learn how to use it and to have the right people in place and then uh, man, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna dig deep in this episode because there's just like, there's so many layers to peel back. So it's like, okay, you get the equipment into the facility, you, you have it on lease, you have it on note, whatever it might be. You have to have somebody that's able to set it up. Maybe you have a, a maintenance plan with the company you bought it from, whatever it might be. But it's if anytime that that equipment is not running, it's inefficient, it's not making you money. And I think that right there, so a lot of people are like, God damn, it would be nice to be able to make my own stuff. Well, how often do you need to produce? I think that 's a big question these these brands need to think about is like are you going to be able to produce consistently for your business if it's you want to do a run or two here or there a couple times a month i mean then it's it 's not worth it you know unless you 're going to be bringing in outside revenue from you know other businesses that you want to co pack for, but then again now that becomes another layer layer of liabilities and another um, layer of legalities so have you worked with brands, Josh, that have – let's just start there. Have you worked with a brand that decided to build their own manufacturing facility while you were working with them? Or was that ultimately your, your recommendation?
1: It hasn't been my recommendation. I've worked with kind of the flip side of that sequence of a manufacturer then wanting to start a brand. Okay. So that's a little bit different. Sure. Um, I haven't had anybody that has – you know, from the day, from the start that hasn't already had it in their – portfolio of goods. Um, so it, it hasn't been something that I've uncovered. I mean, I've had a few times where people have asked the questions and go down that mm-hmm. um, practice, you know, Hey, model this out for me. Does, does it doesn't make sense. But I would say if we're thinking about it from like a supply chain side, it's mostly always probably on the like shipping logistics side over sure. the, you know, like own and own warehousing and that kind of side over the, you know, the actual product production side, because A lot of times people are not even really even thinking about doing it in, especially in supplement space. And for me, I think it comes down to the the substitution effect. There's so many like really available uh, contract manufacturers out there and the product that they're producing, um, you know, caps, powders, pills, there's nothing unique to that. I know that's going to probably upset some people because (laughs) they think they have the most unique products in the world. But literally if we talk about a uniqueness factor or just like both from a, like a product or a process, nothing special. There's no special sauce in that part of it. Um, so even if you were the best at flavoring, there's flavor houses, there's companies much bigger than you that could do this better. There's whatever. So a lot of people aren't coming in there with like some unique delivery system or some unique, um, you know, ingredient deck that they've invented themselves because they're scientists or whatever that is. Every, you get those every once in a while, but the vast majority of them are not unique. They're very, um, commodity in terms of process or product.
0: So then if you if it was never your recommendation to do so, have any brand went against your recommendation and did so?
1: Not that I can think of, at least in the short term. It might have been something down the pipe that they've, they've grown into that it made sense. But you know, I haven't seen anybody that come to the point where they're like, you know, I, I don't believe what you're talking about. Because sure. that is a, it is a very, um, I guess, quantifiable thing to look at. You, know, you, you just look at different um, – terms of how much utilization you have of, of these things yeah. and you see, you know, is this going to make sense from day one, day, you know, 365, you know, year five, whatever that is. And I think about this and, and this is kind of a, if anybody ever wants to dig in deep to a company on like that's publicly traded, there's a company called Laird superfood. It's a, mm-hmm. I think we've maybe have mentioned it before. They just recently went public, but if you look at even just have a basic understanding of their financial statements, You'll see that they own a lot of their own pieces, their manufacturing, they own all these things. The problem is right now that they're not up to the full full utilization of their facility. So they're actually running at losses because they haven't been able to fill up all that. But they plan in terms of their model is over the next couple of years they'll be able to fill that up and and then it becomes a – positive, not a negative, but they're also running off of tens of millions of dollars of investor capital. So, you know, they have something that a lot of people probably don't have and why they're making the decision they're making.
0: It's interesting. This might have been a good episode to have Mark on, but, you know, at what point did he decide to bring in other brands to pack for? And then at what point did he have to cut? I know he cut off when they became too big to do it. Like they, they run pretty i mean i don't think I've ever been in that facility where there wasn't something being utilized it's not like every machine's being utilized every second but something's going on um, so let's 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 stay on the this track of like risks or um, you know things that that are i'm not going to call them a negative but you know things that are tough to do um, another thing is like your you call it licensing your, um, you know, your your legal ties with the state. If you're GMP and having to pass all that stuff, you have to keep different books, log books. You have to have A's, You have to have, you have everything needs a lot number. I mean, there's a lot of complex stuff that goes. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know everything that goes into it. I've done a shit ton of research on my side of things for food, but there are so many things. Like, luckily for me, I I produce within a GMP facility. It's not my responsibility to to do that stuff with the state. However, it's my responsibility to upload GMP practices while I'm in there. So I don't know what the, the – and you might have a better understanding of what it takes to become a GMP-certified facility because in our space, in sports nutrition, those three layers mean more, it seems like, than, than a lot of other spaces. You hear people all the time, well, we're a good manufacturing practice facility, which means you can trust that what's in this product is actually going in this product.
1: Yeah, it's not really my um, area of expertise. I mean, in terms of like, I know there's code um, to look at and I I know people can rattle these things off very quickly, um, but there's certain parts of the code that, you know, was telling you exactly how you need to meet those good manufacturing Mm -hmm. uh, practices to actually be able to um, have that facility be okay if it passes audits or a lot of it's, you know, you're doing these things with the, you know, intent that you're meeting something that, eventually somebody might maybe wants to inspect or something like that. I mean, these are things that you want to make sure that you're doing to uphold legality of of what you're doing as a business. Um, And then as you become more advanced in that and have different certifications, then that becomes even more complex because then you're opening up your facility to additional audits and additional constraints and things that you need. Be that from, you know, third party certifications, be that from some certain kind of food, uh, you know, the notions like Mm gluten-free, um, you know, certified gluten-free or like halal or like any of these other things that you need to make sure that you get for whatever kind of purpose of your food beverage or or nutritional supplement brand is. But you know, those things just as a whole, like if you are somebody that is coming from like a digital marketing background and you, you see an opportunity in the, in the, uh, sports nutrition space and you're like, I'm going to go and, you know, launch this pre-workout because I know that I'm going to be able to sell a bunch of units, but I'm going to make it myself. That just being able to flip your brain to become that detail-oriented in a space that you've never even understood, that to me is like a huge hurdle to get over like you mentioned because there's so much opportunity cost that you are losing by trying to master something you're not good at um, other than just – you know, outsourcing that to somebody that's really good at that, or maybe, you know, good enough that can, can get you through.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, for me, like I, I tell people this all the time, the last eight months of my life, I've learned more about manufacturing and facility management and all that stuff, but I don't think that way. I'm a marketer. I'm a brander. I'm a sales guy. So it, it was frustrating actually to have to learn that stuff. I would much rather like wrote a check to somebody to do it, but I, I didn't do it because then that cost money. And then we get into the conversation. Like I should have just went to the co-packer cool in the first place, but you mentioned things like halal and kosher. Well then like, Outside of that, then there, there are things that actually, you know, that that's all cool to be like kosher friendly and gluten free. But then, and gluten free kind of falls in this category. But like when you talk about the allergens of products, and somebody could get sick if you don't sanitize appropriately, if you don't uh, put the correct disclaimers on things, if you don't have the correct insurance policies, if somebody gets sick and sues, all that equipment you just invested that money in can be bye in a heartbeat. I mean, so that is cross contamination. I mean, these these facilities have. Ventilation systems that are beyond what I can even think of. They have, I mean, good ones. You know, I'll say the good ones. I've been in someone that, that aren't as good. It's just it's very complex. And not only is it cost, it's paperwork, it's time, it's people. Um and, and it sounds like I'm discouraging people from doing this. And part of me probably is, because I mean there aren't many companies out there that I feel like should do it. If your 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 core competency or your Specialty is manufacturing, then, then that's what they do best. If you're a marketer like me um, or sales, or you have like a cool Google formulation, you're not, your expertise doesn't fall in manufacturing. Like, you've never, if you've never even stepped, and it was funny, Josh, is a lot of times some of these people have never been inside of a, a dietary supplement facility before where things are being made, and they just assume, like, that eh, can't be that hard. I've seen, you know, I've seen videos on YouTube of a tube dropping putter down into. Uh, a whey protein tub, and then it puts a label on, and then there's a person there that actually, manually puts each of the caps on. I mean, yeah, okay. But then to be in the the nitty-gritty and doing it, I think, is a a whole different story. Um, I I don't know the costs on what it is to upkeep a facility, but I do know that that Mark invested millions of dollars to upgrade that facility a couple years ago to me. He calls it beyond GMP. I think it's like a pharmaceutical-grade facility now. I don't know many people who have that type of money just hanging out. And besides you, Josh, Shaw, I don't think that, I don't know many people personally in my life that have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean,
1: overall, I, I also don't want to discourage people from any of this thing. I think you're going to hear us maybe talk about things that maybe are going to be on the more, I guess, leaning negative or leaning. No. Um, but I'm agnostic in terms of like, any strategy or anything, you know, I, you know, I'll explore whatever. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. Right. And I think that what we're kind of mentioning is that there's so many different variables that maybe people don't consider in and, and this maybe can go beyond this discussion because even any decision that any business makes, I feel like a lot of times people don't really think through a lot of the, the variables. And we've mentioned this in no. so many different episodes of like different <laughs> ways, you know, be it owning a supplement store, or owning a gym or owning a, you know, we've talked about it so many ways, but like, Even on the most basic levels, you're talking about, you know, the the actual operational, you know, different compliance, regulatory things. Those are humongous things, but also just like procurement of goods, procurement of like having actual like everything in a sequence or or a um, schedule that makes sense and knowing lead times and knowing how to source those things. And everybody has their own. And, you know, sometimes something runs out and having backups and like all of that time you spend doing those things there are people at these commands that that's what they do. They do that a lot. They've they've already vetted out a lot of different uh, vendors or suppliers that you need. Sometimes you need to step in and help them, but for a lot of times you save all of that time and effort by being able to pass that off. And then that goes into the margin. So everybody will always say like, well, you know, I can make more money by doing it myself. Yeah, but you're only thinking about it from the, mm-hmm. I guess, the financial um, perspective. You're not looking at it from like an economic perspective. Like there is an opportunity cost that you lose by not putting your time and effort towards things that you can make more uh, value from. You you going out and sourcing, you know, the, the um, digital uh, packaging mm-hmm. you know, you know, other people can do those things, especially as like an entrepreneur or whatever. And I understand that sometimes you're not in a place to maybe do some of those things. You want to do it yourself and and people can always come up with all the different reasons why they want to do it. But the point of all this is, it's really just to think about every single one of these things and how much little like incremental units of time that you're putting into those things. And and you start to roll it all up and you go, "Hmm, I don't know, this might not be worth it. Maybe it is. And you know, like a mark or anybody that has that type of brain that's more of the operational, you know, maybe even engineering brain, those types of things. It might be the reason why they want to do this is because that's the only way that they can wrap their heads around doing it. And then whatever the financial purpose of around it is, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it does, but it doesn't because again, the only, the only way you'd be able to do this is by doing it yourself. You couldn't trust somebody else to do it.
0: I had a call with an attorney the other day about, you know, we're, we're looking at trying to find another attorney for my team on FitBars because I'm a firm believer that one attorney, one size doesn't fit all. You need people who are specialists in areas. And this, is, this pertains right into the conversation you're having is he said to us, like, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up that I am not an expert in every single field. I'm an expert in this one or two fields. But if you ask me a question, sure, I have the learning agility to go out and figure it out, and I will charge you $300 an hour to do that, or I can make one phone call, and it will be 15 minutes. Right so, like to josh 's point, that time that you spend learning something or that time that you put into something, that comes straight out of your margin, but you don 't equate like for it because it 's your time, and a lot of these entrepreneurs don 't put a price or a value on their time in the beginning, and they should If you want a proper p and l, you should value your time, and you should incorporate that, even though you 're not paying yourself, your time is something uh, that 's the way I feel so um, We've been talking, I don't know, some people might be thinking, like, hey, you've been talking about the negatives, but like there, on the flip side, there's a lot of positives, I think, too. I mean, there, there is, um, you know, I can speak from experience, the number one positive for me is I can control the process. I can trust the product because I'm the one that's touching it, I'm the one that's making it, I'm the one that's packing it, and I'm the one that ships it. So I know when somebody asks me, hey, what's in that product, I can say with 100% confidence what's in that product because I hand-selected each ingredient, I weighed each of them out, and I put them into the product. And I think that's, a, that, that's huge. Like that is a, that's a peace of mind, self-assurance. In Mark Laser's case in Nutribio, you can stand up there and say, hey, we even have this checkmysubs.com website. Feel free to put in a lot number. It will tell you exactly what's in there because there's nothing for us to hide. Uh, and I think that, you know, you can leverage that in marketing. You can leverage that in quality control. I mean you can, you can tell that story, and that story does resonate with people in a big way.
1: Yeah, I think another one would be, and this is probably overlooked as a positive, um, but you know, you doing it yourself, like you said, there's some control element, but there's also that you're the only one that's ever going to put the priority as the top as as you, you, yeah. your own brand is the top priority. Now, if you work with the co-man, they have tons of them, and odds are, if you're a small upstart, you're not the biggest fish, and they and they don't care about you. And and that's not to say that they will treat you any less great. Right. It's just that if you ask for something or you look to try to lean on them a little bit, you don't have any leverage and they're going to sometimes bump you from schedules. They're going to do what they need to do. And that might end up ruining your business because you don't have any control in that part of it. So it does also help you just from prioritization of like, yeah, you're the number one priority in your own business. So if you're doing it yourself, you are the one that's going to be able to do it at at what you need to do. And another kind of point in terms of your business that people can see uh, very easily is that, When you want to create new products, you can quickly do that. Correct. It's not this long process of like getting on a schedule and doing all these things. Like literally, you know, you're doing that product dev, you come up with some formula that matches up well, you take it to the the facility, you try to test to make sure you can match it to the larger process and you go down and you go, this is pretty good. All right, let's turn it on next week. We're going to launch it. You know, that's how quick things could move. That's a super big positive, especially when you're a small upstart brand. Because speed is one of the biggest things that you have over scale. Is yes. that people can't move as fast as you. You they might not be. You might not be as profitable as them. You might not have as much resources, but you can move much quicker, um, and that's important.
0: Hundred percent. I mean, you think about trying to. For, for I mean yeah, for me, I can get a, a new product launch, an idea to market within a couple of weeks. I mean my biggest holdup is getting the ingredients shipped into me and labels printed. That's, that's my biggest holdup. Everything else is pretty quick. But if I wanted to do this in, through a co-man, what I would have to do is call them up and say, hey, I need X amount of volume. When can you fit me in? And to Josh's point, you're a small fish sometimes in a big pond. You know, if you're and depending on what industry you're in, too, because think if you're in like pills and putters and, and you're at like a, a larger manufacturer, you probably wait in line. If you're in beverage for, you know this, Josh, if you're in beverage, you're waiting forever. Uh, I mean, look at Redcon and MRE. Like they had to wait a long time for a line time. and That's Redcon one, a hundred million dollar company. So it is you're you're at the mercy of the co-packer um, to fit you into the schedule. And then that determines your timelines. And what happens more often than not, Josh, on those timelines? They, they get, get pushed. pushed. They get yeah. pushed. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you hear it all the time. Like, hey, the co-packer says we can have this done by the third week in November. Next thing you know, it's January 1st. It's still not done. You're haunting the co-packer. When can it be done? And it happens all the time. I mean, it, it almost seems like it happens more often than being able to hit timelines. And I don't know if that's a fault of the co-packer or if that's a fault of poor planning, sourcing, especially during COVID, trying to get ingredients. It was kind of crazy. But this way, you know, the only reason you don't hit timelines is because it's on you. Like it's something that you did. You didn't, unless, like I said, maybe your generic beta alanine is chilling and over in the docks in China, whatever. But you can you can control so much more. Um, another uh, benefit too is like you have additional revenue sources, right? I mean, if you have the capacity to do so, you can manufacture for other brands, and you probably can make a pretty pretty nice slice of the pie. I don't know, you know, if, if obviously you want to become an expert at what you're doing, uh, but I I do know. <laughs> And Josh knows this. There are plenty of people out there like co-mans today that have no clue what they're doing. And they are getting business left and right because they put their MOQs at like 150 units. And some kid in Austin, Texas, who wears a backwards hat in front of a grass wall, who lives in his parents' basement. That's the difference between you and him, Josh.
1: Yeah, that's not me.
0: Fronts the money to get 150 units made, creates a website on Shopify. Next thing you know, they're selling some DMHA lace pre-workout that they think has DMHA in it when it's just sugar or something else. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that there, what I just said is like, you know, I mean, obviously when you go through a it it is your responsibility as a, as a brand, as a brand owner to send that product off then for third-party testing to hold your co-man accountable, do the audits to hold them accountable. But I bet you, I, I, especially the small ones, guarantee they're not saying it off spending, getting it done because they don't want to spend the additional two, three grand to do so.
1: Yeah. When we're talking small manufacturers in, our, in the space of nutritional supplements, I think the biggest thing to to know the difference between um, somebody that is legitimately doing it on a small scale and not is if you look at the price per unit that you're quoted at these small ones. Now, that's sometimes can be fluffed or whatever. But if you're getting a similar price point to somebody that's running thousands of units, it's impossible to make any money from a financial perspective, unless that company is a part of like a bigger portfolio of manufacturers or some private equity firm, or somebody's trying to just win business. There might be something, there might be some other things, not just what I'm talking about, but if somebody is quoting you, you know, 50% more than what you would get if you did thousands of units, odds are the reason why they're doing that is the only way they can make money on this is that they have to be able to charge you more money and they're probably doing it the right way. They just, Like anybody else, they're starting up, they're trying to build their book of business, they're trying to do what they need to do. So not always will some of those businesses be bad. They're they're trying to do it the best way they can. There's good and bad ones. I would say the majority of them are probably more leaning on them not so good, but I would say there are a handful of them that do a really good job and they're really the only option for smaller um, supplement entrepreneurs that want to start out doing this because it's not the same as what you could do in like food and beverage where you can go and go to a commercial kitchen, they have all the things there for you. You can, you know, get a couple hours there. You can work on your you know, product that you did in your own kitchen. You can replicate it there, make sure it's packaged per- properly and sell a couple dozen units. You can't do that in supplements. There's not really like that option that you can just like go to this facility and rent it out and and use the old hand cranks, uh, you know, make a couple capsules, you know, put them in a bottle and send them off like they do in the labs. Like it's, I'm sure they're, I guess I take that back. I'm sure there probably is, but those are not. <laughs> those are not you know you the bathtub method exists today still. Yeah, I was like, I was thinking about the uh, bigger, faster, stronger movie where yeah. they were making it in the bathrooms or in the uh, in the garages where yep. they just hired a bunch of people to like put sugar or something in the,
0: the things. Such a, yeah. that, that I remember that scene uh, like <laughs> yesterday. Um, so all in all, I, as we wrap up the show, there's positive and negatives to literally everything. And I think... Uh, if you get to so one, it depends on two, like what your. So I think of a, a company called Revive MD. I don't know if you you've heard of them, right? They're yeah. they're um, higher quality, or they sell themselves on higher quality, efficaciously dosed general health supplements. Um, you know, their point of differentiation is quality. So in their case, does it make sense to do a facility? It makes sense to have the conversation. But I don't know if it makes sense to do the investment. Um, if that's not a point of differentiation for you, then, then you don't necessarily need to go out and try to invest and build your own facility. Uh, or if you're not growing, you know, if you're not growing month over month, then why the hell would you build a facility? You know, you're not going to utilize the full utilization because, again, we're we'll, we'll doing this a hundred times. For every second and minute that those machines are not running in your facility, it's costing you money. You're not making money back. It's no, no different than... You know, grocery store. If there's a product that sits on a shelf that doesn't move, it gets cut. You know, it needs to get moved. It's the same premise within manufacturing. So, um, you know, I love the idea, the concept of, of self manufacturing. I'd love to be able to do it myself on a bigger scale, and maybe I will where I'm at. But it's not for everybody, and it's not easy, and it's a headache. I mean, there's if you get one CFR 111 or you get a CFR or violation in our field, not that they're going to shut you down. But that's now all of a sudden you have a black eye on your record. And there are people who look at that and say, well, shame on you. And they don't forgive as easily as some others do. In this space, it seems like once you get one of those violations, you get a written notice from the FDA. Even if you correct the wronged action, it still exists out in the internet that people can circulate around. And next thing you know, you're making shitty supplements.
1: Yeah, and no, I'll just leave on like this last point because I, I know this is something that even the, you know, the highest of the high. People like a Mark Glazier or something that has this, um, you know, they do it for a certain reason. Contract manufacturing, a lot of them are doing things extremely high quality. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if you want to have the high quality brand that you need to go and do it yourself. Um, honestly, they're the only reason why we have a supplement industry the size that we do is is because of these contract mm-hmm. manufacturers. So for them, um, Sometimes you have to obviously find the right ones if you that's something that's a huge like hurdle that you want to cross. Like I want to have the most highest quality, the most efficaciously dosed, safety-oriented certifications up the wall, whatever that is. They're, you're going to have to find the right ones. Right. But I think it's – I want people that, that are listening to this not to think like, well, if I don't make if, – if it's not self-manufactured, it must be garbage because <laughs> that's the farthest thing from Correct. the truth. It, it's just that – if you do control it yourself, you could still make garbage stuff, stuff as well.
0: So, Oh, and people, some people make garbage stuff intentionally. I mean that, yeah. that it, it really exists. So uh, if you like what you heard here on the podcast, hit that subscribe button and write us a review. Uh, give us feedback. Let us know what brands that you like. And If you know anything about them, that would be great too. You can follow us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, it's two guys, one shaker cup. We're going to do the shakies I think in the next episode. I think it's time that we do the golden shakies. Josh Shaw.
1: I think so. I'm excited.
0: I'm I'm you're excited. Feel my nipples. <laughs> subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.